Welcome once again to the one, the only Remso Republic podcast. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. Tip of the hat to LRN.FM, Player FM, Auto Radio, and before I forget, the Self-Defense Radio Network, some of our favorite syndicators across the country broadcasting you from coast to coast. Um, speaking of which, you know, I mentioned coast to coast. I mentioned everything that, you know, is going on. We've boomed so much, so much this past year. And there, there's only one person responsible. Well, technically, there are more than around 60,000 people responsible. But it's you, the listener at home, the person that's sharing this episode, the person that's engaging with us online, the person that's telling their friends, their co-workers, that dude at the barbershop, that dude you shared an Uber with. We are growing like wildfire across the country. And it's kind of strange because we focus a lot of our you know, time and attention here in Virginia. We try and touch people from across the country. We try and talk to, you know, people running for offices that you might not necessarily care about. I mean, who, who cares about somebody wa- running in, I don't know, just a random state for city council? How does that affect you? Well, if you've been listening to us for a little while, you understand that everything is interconnected and that every level of government is important. But I'm a little biased because... You know, talking to you from the Commonwealth of Virginia, I like to think that Virginia leads the way. Virginia is the state that really gives an indicator of how the country goes. And because, you know, I'm in Virginia, I just, you know, I automatically just think it's awesome. We always get the coolest races. And by the coolest, I mean the wackiest, the craziest, the ones that really just kind of leave you at the end of it with kind of like a a dirty feeling, like you got to go take a cold shower and maybe like turn off all the lights and turn down the blinds and just kind of chill out. Why is that? Well, because, folks, it's like it's happening all over again. Let let me know if you've heard this before. We've got a crazy Democrat that nobody likes. We have establishment at Gillespie. And uh, now we have somebody else jumping in. We have somebody else jumping in who I, frankly, I, I have never heard of him until a couple days ago, but he's making a splash because he's going to take on the two establishment machines here in the Commonwealth. Ladies and gentlemen, Cliff Hira, the libertarian candidate for governor of Virginia. Cliff, how are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, man. So I got to ask Cliff, I've never heard of you before. (laughs) And that's a good thing because that means you get to paint the narrative before anyone else can get to you. You could do that yourself. And if you could, just kind of tell us a little bit about you. I mean, this is this is something big that you're jumping into. You know, what what's your motive? What's going on? And why do you think you could be Virginia's next governor? Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, the reason that I'm running is uh, just because, you know, I, I feel strongly about libertarianism. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been a political activist in the past, uh, but I saw an oppor- opportunity here to step up and push some big issues that are really important, uh, not just for the state of Virginia, but, uh, you know, as you touched on, really, there are issues that uh, are coming up nationwide. Um, so, you know, I feel strongly, of, of course, about libertarianism, but, you know, also about having that third party option on the ballot for voters in November. Uh, it looked like we weren't going to have that for the governor, uh, for the governor race. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I saw an opportunity 
uh, not just to uh, influence the policy discussion, but potentially to, to make some dramatic changes for the better here in Virginia. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a businessman, uh, not, not a political guy, but, um, you know, I'm comfortable speaking with anybody. I enjoy public speaking. So, you know, when I had the opportunity to run for governor as the Libertarian Party candidate, I jumped at it. That's awesome. Now, here at the Remsa Republic, you know, producer Ryan and I were pretty staunch Rob Sarvis supporters. So just kind of throwing that out there. So we set the standard really, really, really high in terms of who runs for this because, you know, it's kind of a soft spot in our heart. So why the governorship? I mean, you know, typically this is something that people – you know, they run for a couple of lower level offices. They raise some money. They try and spend a couple of years to set up an exploratory committee and test things out. I mean, how long have you been considering this and why the governorship? I mean, that's just I mean, man, Ed Gillespie, he'll he'll shank your mother and he'll punch your dog <laughs> if he wanted to. And Tom Perello will probably stick an RFID chip in your neck while you're sleeping. So why, why well, this? I mean, it seems kind of drastic. Something to look forward to there. Um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it may be drastic, um, but, you know, I, I think there's a pretty good record just, you know, over the years of, of people who get into politics, you know, as, as governor uh, and who have done well. You know, so I don't think that there's any kind of, you know, I don't think that running for school board and, and you know, being on the board of supervisors is really necessary to prepare you for, for being governor, you know, and, and I think it's more of a question of there being an opening here that, that needed to be filled and an opportunity. And, uh, you know, there are big issues, right? I mean, there's not so many big, important issues at the school board level. Uh, so, you know, that's not necessarily going to be enough to, to get me out and going around the state. I have, you know, a, a very busy practice, law practice. I have a family, I have three kids and a fourth one, you know, coming, um, so, you know, it's, it's gotta be something that's Im- important for me. And, uh, there's a lot of big issues in Virginia that the governor, you know, through executive action can really make a big difference on. So that's what motivated, motivated me. You know, as I mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not a career politician. I have no desire to be, uh, but, but what I do want to do is, you know, make some big changes here in Virginia and, you know, realistically, right. It's a long shot candidacy, uh, but uh, it's an opportunity to make to influence the debate and uh, hopefully, you know, get some of our positions uh, adopted by other people when they see how popular they are, how much sense they make. Are you a big executive action guy? Well, I don't know that I'd, I'd say I'm an executive action guy per se. I mean, uh, I think, you know, certainly on the presidential level, I think it's gone probably too far. But, uh, you know, there's places where <clears throat> executive action is appropriate. I mean, where, uh, for example, right, in granting clemency, that's something a power the governor has. Nobody else has that power. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a power that I would exercise. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want me to jump into what some of my issues are, but, uh, you know, if I were elected governor, I would certainly be exercising executive power. You know, I would, of course, also be trying to work with the legislature to craft legislative solutions. And, you know, hopefully by running on the platform, that would give me a, you know, a mandate to accomplish some of these things. Definitely. Because the one thing I've got to give to Terry McAuliffe, and I'm not a Terry McAuliffe fan, but because he was so incompetent as governor as he has been so far. I mean, the things that he did try and get, really shoved down our throats, we're usually shot down by the state legislature. Uh, the state Senate's been good at it, the House of Delegates with people like Nick Freitas and the bunch. 
I mean, we, we saw a governor that, you know, wasn't as necessarily as gung-ho as, you know, a lot of Democrats typically are. He was kind of lazy the last couple of years because, well, ultimately, this isn't something he really wanted to do. But I'm kind of sidetracking there. Cliff, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break for the program. Folks, hang on tight. We'll be right back in a moment. The voice of the Liberty Generation, Remzo W. Martinez. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Remzo Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. Hey guys, Tim Preuss here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PreussPodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers. <laughs> fucking whores are out there. These They're... hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. Is them yelling at them you. Them yelling at me on Twitter. <laughs> we break down the most pressing issues of our time. This what? large lady with, like, tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked to tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, you pulled over engine trouble and, and what happened, what happened? Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PreussPodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S podcast.com. Make sure to visit libertarianwingmedia.com, where you can find articles written by libertarians all over the world on all of today's issues. Check out our podcast network with monthly and weekly podcasts. Check out our libertarian t-shirt store with t-shirts like Make Markets Free Again and Make Markets Not War. And you too can become an author at Libertarian Wing Media and write what you want, when you want. Just email alexmerced at alexmerced.com. Thank you very much. Back to the Remsor Republic, we've got Libertarian candidate for Governor of Virginia, Cliff Hyra, on the show. Cliff, we kind of, you know, skirted around it earlier in the first segment, but I'd like to kind of, you know, dig into your platform a little bit more. Um, you know, earlier on in the season, we had Denver Riggleman on, and sadly, you know, from, out, from my end at least, I was upset when he dropped out um, because he was bringing up some incredibly important topics that neither Corey Stewart or Ed Gillespie or Frank Wagner, is he still running? Does anyone, are there any actual Frank Wagner supporters out there or is it just Frank Wagner? I don't know. Anyway, Cliff, what are some of the things you're running on? What are the things you're passionate about and what are the things you want to see implemented in Virginia? I have a couple of major issues that I'm trying to highlight in my campaign. 
And, you know, one of the major issues is uh, economic growth. We've had pretty slow growth in the Commonwealth, under 2% for a while. Uh, over the last decade or so, I think not even 1%, I think about 0.9%. So it's pretty well known that uh, pro-free market policies are, are good for the economy, cutting taxes, rolling back regulations, uh, and these lead to higher rates of growth as business formation increases, investment increases, and so on. Uh, the number of Virginians who are unemployed or marginally attached or part-time for economic reasons is still about 10%. That's too high. Obviously, those problems are tied together um, because higher growth is going to result in more and better jobs. Uh, so what I'm proposing is to eliminate some some burdensome regulations and taxes, um, eliminating the income tax for at least the first $50,000 of income each year. Yeah. Um, that, that's over. <laughs> that's you got over me right there. Dollars. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, keep going. I, I hope so. Yeah, I think it's something that is really going to help a lot of people. It's it's over $2,500. Um, you know, back in the pockets of the average household here in Virginia each and every year, you know, and, and just think about what people could do with an extra $2,500 every year. I mean, they could uh, start up, invested in starting up a new business or expanding an existing business. They could save uh, in a college fund for their children, save towards a down payment for a new home, uh, you know, enroll in classes to learn new skills, pay up their vehicles. I mean, there's so many things that people could do uh, with that amount of money. Um, so I think that will really uh, stimulate growth along with, you know, as I mentioned, uh, rolling back some, you know, restrictions, some occupational licensing, some of the kind of obscure business taxes we have here in Virginia, like the machine and tool tax that are just a real burden for, for uh, especially for smaller businesses that aren't, you know, uh, set up to have, they can't ha afford somebody who's just dealing with regulations and things like that. So that's one of my big issues. Uh, I think the second one is uh, the number of Virginians who are sitting in a jail cell, uh, you know, for no other reason than the substance that they put in their body uh, or other victimless crimes. There are about 40,000 prisoners who are arrested for drug crimes uh, in 2012, which is the most recent data that I, I found, uh, with marijuana arrests actually accounting for over 60% of those. And that's, it's a huge increase just over the last 10 or 15 years. And it's interesting because the rates of violent and property crimes in Virginia have, have dropped a lot, but the, but the rates of arrests for drug crimes have really gone up. And from what I understand, the police have to meet arrest quotas uh, to be sure that they receive their full funding from the federal uh, budget and from the state. So, you know, it's, they're almost creating criminals uh, to justify their budget. And by the way, the budget for the justice system here in Virginia is over $3 billion on an annual basis. The cost to incarcerate a single person is over $25,000 a year, uh, not to mention the loss of their productivity to the economy and, and their tax revenue, you know, the fracturing of their family and all the negative economic consequences for their families and for their futures. Uh, so this is really where the executive action comes in. As a governor, I would grant an absolute pardon to everyone who's in jail, you know, only for drug use or for another victimless crime so that they can return to their families they can get their record expunged. They can get one of the good, stable jobs that will be created by all the new economic growth. Uh, and I would also order law enforcement to stop enforcing the laws uh, against drug use. Um, I would encourage legislature to formally legalize marijuana. There's also a big hemp industry here in Virginia that would benefit from that. Uh, but even if the legislature won't cooperate at all, I can decriminalize marijuana unilaterally 
uh, decriminalize drug use using the executive power. So are, those are the two biggest issues that I'm pushing. I also have uh, you know, several other issues that I feel strongly about. Um, one is civil asset forfeiture. You know, I want to end it, uh, at least in the absence of a criminal charge and clear and convincing evidence, just like 17 other states have already, and make sure that any funds that are seized uh, don't go to the police department. So this has been in the news, but this is the whole concept of, well, the police you know, come across some, some money and they just take it. And you, in order to get it back, they don't have to charge you with any crime, but in order to get it back, you have to sue essentially the police department and prove that it's not part of a crime. You have the burden of proving that. Exactly, because uh, it's and, like the inanimate object itself is what right. what is being arrested. It's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Uh, it's you know it's called policing for profit, um, and a lot of times if the asset is is low value, it, it doesn't even make sense. You would pay much more money to try to prove that it's not you know involved in a crime than uh, it's worth. So and and that money goes straight to the police department. So uh, this just boggles my mind that this even exists. You know that uh, the police can just seize any property and, and essentially take it, appropriate it for the for themselves without any evidence whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I'm strongly in favor of ending that practice. Uh, I think there's some momentum on a national level and, you know, I'm very hopeful that we can move in that direction in Virginia as well. Uh, in, in healthcare, you know, there's a limit to what a st- you can do at the state level, but I want to introduce elements of competition wherever possible, eliminate certificate of need laws. Um, at one time, the federal government re- required, basically, they mandated these certificate of need laws and, and all the states adopted them. But over time, states have been rolling them back. There's still many that have them. Virginia is one of them. Our, our you know, certificate of need laws are pretty bad. These are laws that basically restrict you from opening a new hospital or opening a new med- medical practice uh, without proving, basically, the rules that before you can open a new hospital, you have to prove that there's a need for it. Uh, which is totally the opposite of, you know, any other kind of business, right? You don't need to prove that somebody needs it. You you open it and, you know, if it doesn't work, if there's not a need for it, then you close it, you know? Um, so I think their studies are, are pretty conclusive that, you know, as you'd expect, uh, this drives up costs, uh, reduces access to health care, um, although the, the justification for it is, is sort of Orwellian, you know, the idea that if there's too many hospitals and not enough patients, then actually they'll charge more, prices will go up. You know, it's kind of totally counter to, to logic. So I would definitely get rid of that. I would uh, allow quick, them just- Quick uh, question yeah. real yes. fast. So you would not be for as, uh, you know, Tom the Democrat that wants to stick chips inside of people with disabilities. You would not be for <laughs> Medicaid expansion in the Commonwealth. I'm not for Medicaid expansion, okay. no. Uh, you know, I, it's, there's, that's going to grow the government. Um, you know, it's it's going to have negative impacts, I think, down the line. So I, I would look to introduce elements of competition wherever possible. You know, unfortunately, we have to look to somebody to take a lead on the federal level. But, you know, I want to do whatever we can at the state level uh, to, to make things better. Um, and, and one of those things is also allowing the, the purchase of insurance policies, you know, across state lines. Outstanding. Sir, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break after this. I've just got, you know, Kind of like a lightning round of questions I want to kind of throw at you to kind of understand you as a person a little bit more. So, folks, hang on tight. The conversation continues right after this commercial break. We'll be back shortly. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. 
Make sure to subscribe to all the podcasts on the Libertarian Wing Media Podcast Network on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, such as the Alex Merced Cast, with interesting interviews with interesting people every week. Breaking Progressives, spending time every week breaking down left-wing narratives and showing what's real and what's fake. Economics Why Not, a weekly look at economics and applying economic principles to daily life. Better Today, a weekly podcast where we take a look on ways to improve your life and be better today. Libertarian Commons is a podcast where we play audio from the video archives of Alex Merced from his videos dating back to 2008. Liberty Public Access, a podcast where anyone can submit an episode. Submit your episodes to Alex Merced at alexmerced.com. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast? Then subscribe to Podcast and Blogging Tips and Tricks, a weekly podcast about how to host your podcast, how to produce your podcast, and how to market your podcast. We'll be adding some monthly podcasts to the lineup soon, including Make Markets Free Again, a monthly look at what's going on in markets and regulation all over the world, and the Free VST podcast, looking at free VST instruments for electronic music producers. Listen to these podcasts by going to libertarianwingmedia.com or subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and leave a positive review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. folks welcome back to the final segment cliff i i like a lot of what you're saying i think you and i are eye to eye on a lot of things so i'm really cool about that i do have some questions you know regarding some things that i'm a little bit more passionate about especially being here in the southern half of virginia along with that you know i still have family in fairfax county so i have a kind of an idea of how both sides of you know the commonwealth Mm. kind of think about things yeah, you know, my, my biggest thing is this, and this is my biggest problem with a lot of libertarian candidates. It's not even the obvious one, folks. I'm kind of nitpicking mm-hmm. here, so I promise I would, this will be the only nitpicky question I ask. But as governor, would you force Christian bakers to make gay Nazi wedding cakes at gunpoint? <laughs> uh, I don't want to. Uh, like, yeah, this might be a deal me. breaker. I mean, this might be a deal breaker. So, I mean, yeah. please really consider this one. <laughs> it's 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 such a tough question. I mean, you made it very difficult to tell what the answer is, but no, I mean, I, I totally agree that the government should not be, you know, discriminating against, you know, anybody on on any class basis, but you know, it just doesn't make good sense to me that there's plenty of businesses out there that will accommodate, you know, any desire that you have. So, it, it's almost like a game of gotcha, like they just try to find you know, uh, somebody who, who, who doesn't really doesn't want to do it and then force them to do something they really don't want to, you know, I, I just don't understand that. Uh, so, you know, I, am certainly in favor of allowing businesses to, you know, basically pick their own customers and especially, you know, pick what religious practices they want to be involved in. Okay. No, that, that's very fair. I think you and I agree on that because I mean, I, I don't understand why anyone would want to go give money to somebody that hates them. I mean, honestly, if I if I knew a business was open that hated, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans, I'd probably stand outside with a sign that says, don't go buy cakes from that dude. He's a racist or something. Right. I mean, you boycotting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost like a trap, right? I mean, they're setting a trap and and they're trying to create publicity and they're trying to get those people in jail, you know, is really what they want. 
Um, that's my understanding anyway, you know, because right. Absolutely. Otherwise you would not be trying to give these people a profit. So, you know, it's, it's the motivation there is I think not good. And, and, you know, I don't think there's any evidence that there's like a real actual problem even in, you know, so, but, but I mean, I'm always on the side of, of, you know, freedom and allowing people to be free to choose. So it's, it's kind of an easy question for me. No, that's perfect. I'm I'm glad it went that way. I'm actually very, very relieved it went that way. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you for elaborating on that. Um, you know, secondly, and this is probably the biggest thing for me and the show's producer, Ryan, um, you know, we're big education reform advocates when it comes to everything, because just like you said, you know, I, I take the Milton Friedman approach. We need to have the freedom to choose. And education, I think, is the fountainhead for so many other issues. So the biggest thing that pops to my mind, and this is the one thing I constantly ask candidates running in this cycle, is the Tim Tebow Act, which would essentially allow homeschooled students to participate in public school sports. It's, it's an easy thing. As governor, if that bill landed on your desk, how would you go with that? Yeah, I would sign it. I, I mean, to, to be honest, you know, I'm not familiar with the details. If there's a specific bill that they're contemplating, uh, you know, I haven't, haven't really looked into it. But just from the, the way you describe it, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want that. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm absolutely an advocate of, of choice in schools um, and, and trying to introduce competition there. Uh, I think there's been a lot of experiments lately in different states, uh, you know, with competition in schools. And I think results are overall good. I mean, parental satisfaction is much higher. Uh, you know, costs are, are lower and, and test scores are just as good, in some cases significantly better. You know, and, and as far as homeschooling goes, I mean, um, you know, you've got to at some point, it's, you're talking about something that happens inside somebody's home. It's difficult to police, even if you wanted to. You have to sort of trust the parents, you know, and that's what my campaign is all about. I mean, trusting people to know what's best for themselves and their families. Um, and, you know, most of the people who are bad parents, they're probably not going to want to spend a lot of time and effort, you know, homeschooling their kids. They're just going to let them go to the public school, you know. So if there's a kid here or there who gets educated, you know, a different way than you want, well, there's a lot of kids out there who, who are getting educated away different from what their parents want. You know, for every kid that has maybe a bad parent, there's many more who, who have bad government, you know, who are uh, running schools that are failing. How do you feel about SOL testing? Uh, you know, I'm kind of, uh, to be honest, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. I mean, I think we need testing. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, to the extent that it's tied to a federal mandate and so forth. You know, I, I know a lot of people are upset about it. I, I absolutely believe that we need some kind of metrics so we can judge, you know, which schools are effective and which aren't. And, you know, hopefully which, which teachers are effective and which aren't, you know, I, I think there's probably a better way of doing that, you know, but I, I certainly don't object to testing, you know, in the schools. Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, okay. Kind of. Focusing up north in the People's Republic of Northern Virginia right now, one giant thing I constantly hear people screaming about, and I'm one of those people whenever I drive up to Nova to see my family in Fairfax County, um, transportation and congestion is a giant problem. I know, uh, you know you have people in the House of Delegates like Delegate John Bell that wanted to straight up um, you know, steal the few privately owned toll roads in the Commonwealth. 
Uh, he wants to increase light rail. And then you have Republicans that really don't have much of, the, of an opinion on that because the last time they passed a massive transportation bill, taxes got raised. So transportation in terms of just, you know, the amount of time it takes people to get to and from work, the infrastructure costs behind it, you know, that's a big issue in Nova. And uh, I don't necessarily think that anyone in any of the other candidates for governor of the Commonwealth have really spoken about that because it is such a difficult issue to kind of go at. So what would your be, what would your approach be to, you know, kind of like identifying the issue coming to the table and understand the solutions and just what are some of the things on the top of your head in terms of, you know, improving the Commonwealth's transportation up North? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, something that I've been thinking about is, you know, uh, where there's an opportunity to, again, uh, you know, potentially increase competition in that area. You know, I mean, it's it's difficult, but at the same time, you know, you definitely hear about toll projects and things like that where, you know, you're, you're partnering with, with a private company and, you know, maybe you're offering them the tolls for some certain number of years or something like that, where, you know, if there's a strong need uh, for the, the, the roads um, or the other transportation facilities, you know, that uh, is going to make it worth their while to build that. And they're going to easily make that money back. And, uh, you know, having that infrastructure in place, you, you have the tolls in place. I mean, nowadays they have such great technology with the easy pass and everything. Um, you know, I, I drive up and I'm from Northern Virginia. I just moved down to the Richmond area about a year and a half ago. And, and I still go up there frequently. So because, you know the uh, struggle. You know the struggle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I do. And, and you know, uh, some of the recent things they've done with the, you know, with the the hot lanes, the high occupancy toll lanes. Um, you know, they work really well. Um, I, you know, it's it's a lifesaver for me. You know, when I need to drive up there and drive back in the same day. You know, and and uh, I have something that I need to get to, or I need to get back to my family. Uh, you know, just for me in my own life, you know, they, they've been very, I've been very happy with that change. So, uh, to the extent that, uh, you know, we can sort of expand on that, uh, you know, I think that's one possible way forward, but it is a complicated issue and, uh, you know, uh, there's no magic bullet. Definitely. There is one thing that I, I was really hoping Republicans would be speaking of, but I haven't necessarily heard it. And to their, you know, to their defense, it's not necessarily a giant issue at the state level. But something we're seeing, you know, throughout different cities and towns in the Commonwealth is that there's an attack on Uber. There's an attack on Lyft. Um, you know, one of my favorite libertarian candidates back in 2015, Brian Sujanan, he wanted to propose, if elected, um, the Ride Sharing Protection Act which would prevent the state government at least from passing any type of law or regulation regarding app-based transportation services. I know you kind of touched on this when you were discussing, you know, markets usually find the solution, but would you do anything to prevent any level of government within the state from actually attacking those app-based transportation services? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Uber. Uh, I think that's a great development. You know, it's it's safer than taxis. It's cheaper. It's uh, more available. Um, you know, it, it's easier, right, for people to to get employed. You don't have medallions. You don't have sort of a monopoly situation. So I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of, you know, ride sharing apps. Um, you know, whether any legislation needs to be passed, um, I'm not sure. I, I really wasn't aware that there were localities that were restricting that. It's, it's probably something that, that I would want to look into a little bit more. What exactly is being proposed by the localities? What is being proposed to counter that? You know, I, I am 
generally a fan of sort of devolving power to the local, you know, government where they're closer to the electorate. Um, you know, they're more responsive to what their citizens want. Um, you know, but at the same time, yeah, I, I'm all for those uh, ride sharing apps. It's really good for the customers. Um, so I, w- I would just have to probably look into it a little bit more to give you, you know, my position one way or another on any specific bill. Sounds good. No, definitely agreeable. Well, anyway, sir, we covered a wide range of topics, and certainly we didn't cover all of them, but, I mean, these are the loudest ones I'm hearing, and these are the ones that are closer to my heart at this point. To kind of wrap things up, what's the biggest message you want to get out to those in Virginia? And even those that aren't even in the Commonwealth, but they understand how important Virginia is since we're so close to the swamp. Uh, What's the thing you really want them to carry home tonight? Well, you know, I think that this, uh, as you mentioned, you know, this uh, uh, state, the Commonwealth of Virginia is a bellwether, you know, for the nation. And and there's not a lot of elections that are going on this year. You know, it's a bit of an off election cycle. So, um, you know, I encourage everybody to get involved, you know, and if you uh, are passionate about the things that that I'm passionate about, I encourage you, if you're in Virginia, absolutely to vote for me. Uh, If you're not, in Virginia to uh, think about contributing to my campaign because, you know, I'm all about raising these issues and, uh, you know, bringing them up in the media, you know, not just in Virginia, but really, you know, everywhere, everywhere that I can. Uh, And, you know, if you're uh, able to, if you're in Virginia and you're able to vote for me, um, you know, I encourage you to do so. I'm a long shot for sure. But uh, nobody, I don't think anybody votes because they are, you know, under the illusion that their vote is going to decide the election. You know, it's more of a, a symbolic uh, effort where you're indicating, you know, what uh, per, what candidate and what policies you support. And even if I don't win, showing how much support uh, the, the policies, you know, have that I'm pushing, it's going to make a big difference in the politics, you know, not only here in Virginia, but other places as well, as well, all across the nation. So I do encourage you uh, to to uh, keep in touch and keep track of the, the situation and uh, to do whatever you can to push forward these issues if you're passionate about them like I am. Um, do you have a website? How can people connect with you? <laughs> um, so I, I think you mentioned earlier, you asked, you know, when uh, I decided to get in, involved. And uh, I think it was only last week. So we're really uh, pushing hard to get everything up. I have a website. It's cliffhire.com, but it's not up yet. So uh, hopefully by the time this airs, it it will be, I believe uh, it should be. Uh, We have a great uh, website in the works and you'll absolutely be able to read about me and all the policy positions I talked about tonight and and others as well. And you'll have the opportunity there to indicate your uh, interest uh, in helping me out. Uh, in whatever you know way that you're able to, so I do encourage you, uh, everybody, definitely to check me out on my website, uh, cliffhire.com. Outstanding, Cliff. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Best of luck in your race. You know, I I think we see eye to eye on a lot, and hopefully we can actually, you know, make things less insane here in Virginia. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's my number one goal. I definitely hope so. Thank you so much uh, for having me on, and and hopefully. You know, you'll have me on again in the future when I'm surging in the polls. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, sir. Well, folks, you heard him. Definitely go ahead and check out his website. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be up. But as always, what do you want to do if you really want to stay on the edge of everything 
liberty-oriented here, not only in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the best state of the other 50, but, you know, everything in general. Go ahead and check us out, www.remsorepublic.com. If you don't know what app you want to go on next to listen to the show because your dad is running low on iTunes and everything else, go ahead and check us out on Auto Radio, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM. And if you can't find one of those that I just listed, go ahead and go to remsorepublic.com. I mean, sorry, forward slash podcast. As always, it's never too late to do the right thing. Be good to your neighbor. Go out and treat yourself for once, you sadomasochist, political nerd, you. Take care. As always, I'm Remso W. Martinez. Good night. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?